every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Maria Pergolino, CMO of Active Campaign. Active Campaign gives businesses of all sizes access to over 500 pre-built automations that combine transactional email, email marketing, marketing automation, and CRM for powerful segmentation and personalization across social, email, messaging, chat, and text. Maria has served as a senior marketing leader for global B2B technology organizations for almost two decades. She's known for building world-class go-to market teams that drive growth, differentiation, and category leadership. On this episode, Maria shares her strategies to drive brand differentiation, the importance of setting goals for customer success, and the power of automation. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Demand Gen Visionaries is brought to you by Qualified. Qualified is the pipeline generation platform for revenue teams that use Salesforce. You can intelligently grow your pipeline by understanding the signals of buying intent and having real-time conversations right on your website. You can learn more at qualified.com. So please enjoy this interview between Maria Pergolino and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios. And today I am joined by a special guest. Maria, how are you? I'm so good. I'm so excited to be here, Ian. Thank you so much. I am so excited to have you on the show. I was telling you this off air. My call before this was with our growth marketing team, and we were talking about Active Campaign and some new newsletters that we are going to be dropping soon and a bunch of other stuff that we're working on at Caspian. And I was like, man, how fortunate are we that we get to talk to the CMO of Active Campaign, a product that we use every day. So super excited for this interview, excited to chat about how you all go to market and everything in between. So let's get started. First job in marketing, Maria, what was it? I did my grad and undergrad degrees in marketing. So I have been a marketer my entire career. I think my first job as it relates to marketing was I worked for a realtor kind of putting together like little pages and mini websites. As soon as I graduated, I went and took a marketing job in the chemical industry. And you think, well, that is that exciting? Is that not exciting? All of my friends were going into more consumer side, which seem very exciting, but I found a love for B2B marketing and and that's where I am today. And where you are today, CMO of Active Campaign, tell us a little bit about your role. Yeah, so I get the great privilege of representing over 180,000 customers at Active Campaign as the chief marketing officer. We help companies with things like you were talking about, newsletters, email marketing, marketing automation, CRM, essentially everything that's going to help a company grow. I think sometimes brands think, oh, I'll build a website or I'll start a database of my customers, I'll open a store, and they think the customers will just show up if they have a great product. But unfortunately, that is not the case. We have to spread the word about that product. We have to remind people, even that they may already love our product about it, and we're here to help them with that. The coolest part about Active Campaign is that we're allowing, and I think you feel this uh, in what you're doing with Active Campaign. 
you're able to spend your time making great podcasts because the tool is going to automate the stuff that you don't want to be thinking about every day. And so it's not just technology, but technology that lets companies work on the things that they want to work on. And then as chief marketing officer, I get to help spread the word about that. Marketing to other marketers or other businesses is so fun. It keeps you on your toes because you have to do good work. They'll catch you if you mess something up. Being able to use our own product to do that marketing is is really cool because you get to then interact with the whole company. We get to talk to engineering. We get to talk to support all of the different areas of the company about how we're using the product, which makes it just incredible. Yeah. What do you call it? Do you call it sipping your own champagne, drinking your own kombucha? What's your terminology? So at Active Campaign, we often refer to it as Active Campaign for Active Campaign when we talk about it. And it is, I like talking about that way because it makes us feel just like one of our customers. I think that's important that we shouldn't have two outsides of voice, that we want to be one of those 180,000 customers, not the special one out of them, right? Yeah, indeed. We always say in marketing, our first customer is sales, right? It's like, that's who we have to serve first and foremost. And if marketing is not doing their job from a sales perspective, it's not going to be great. Let's get to our first segment, the trust tree. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree in the nest, are we not? This is where we can go and feel honest and trusted and you can share those deepest, darkest demand gen and marketing secrets. So you mentioned that you all sell to marketers, but who specifically are you selling to? What does that buying committee look like? I like that. I hope people send me lots of their secrets. So our buyer, we're selling often to smaller organizations up through mid-sized organizations. And so that buyer may be a solopreneur, somebody who... Uh, is doing the work on their own all the way up through a company that has a marketing department and a sales department. And those different personas, different messaging, different information for all of those groups. I think beyond that, we have about over half our business outside of the U.S. And so that often means that may be received in Portuguese, French, Italian, German, Spanish. That buying committee may, may look differently or be taking a different approach depending on where they are in the world. And so for us, we really like to think about things as it relates to the use case. What is somebody trying to do? What is going to, what can they automate that's going to make their day easier, make it be that they can deliver more for their customer? For an e-commerce business, which we serve many, that's going to be different than, let's say, a B2B company. That e-commerce business may be looking for to tell somebody about shopping cart abandonment or for getting more people to their site, getting past visitors back where a B2B company, it may be a lot around education, content that they want to share, a lot of educational materials. And so that's going to yield a different type of marketing. And so we're trying to make sure we're getting those right use cases to those right prospects. What's your marketing strategy? Our company's mission is to help customers grow through customer experience automation. And so I would say that our marketing strategy is to help achieve our mission through our company values. The way that comes to to be, and I think a little bit of our secret sauce, understanding that we're in the trust tree, is that we start with a company plan. Marketing looks at that company plan. Our company plan has five items on it. And we think about how we're going to achieve to those five items. 
And then we create up to five of our own, each with metrics and and have a plan behind each and try to drive to that. And sometimes that goes great. And sometimes it doesn't work the way we hope. And so we use that plan and those metrics that we set to pivot uh, throughout the year. And how does demand fit kind of within that? Yeah. So as you can imagine in that company plan, there's goals around how we want our customers to be successful. There's goals around how we want our employees to be successful, but there's also revenue goals. And for our company, and just a hint for those marketers, I love working active campaign because it, it is a business to business company. We sell to other businesses, but it is not always through a sales person. A lot of our business sells self-serve. And that's really empowering as a marketer because it really, that means you have to be so crisp in your message that you have to have the right information out there that people feel comfortable buying even without that salesperson. There's no safety net there. I love in creating that plan and creating the goals for the team, having that piece that we have to make sure our delivery is so good that people can buy on their own and that then we're supporting the sales team to make that even better. So we have to think about that self-serve piece, right? And so that is a mix of marketing pieces. One of the things that is amazing at Active Campaign, we have five ways that we acquire new business. We either acquire through somebody coming to us through search, uh, like Google or another search engine, depending on where you may be in the world. Somebody coming to us through uh, paid advertising, often PPC for us. Somebody coming through an agency, somebody who's delivering for us. Somebody's coming through an affiliate. So Ian, you could have a link that for Active Campaign, and then we would give you something back. I know that's not the case here, but but we have that situation. And then we have uh, what we would call direct, which is somebody comes right to our website. And that one we have to figure out, is it because they're a past customer or because they were referred in some way? But those five sources, which are pretty unique for us, we have demand programs behind each one of those. And each represent about 20% of our business. It's very rough, but it means a lot of diversity in the marketing. You think about a stock portfolio and how you don't want everything in one area. And that's definitely the case for us. We're fortunate that we have our own tool to be able to measure and understand the impact of all of that. But let's say affiliates there, we're not just educating our consumer. We're educating people that they so they can educate other people. And that takes a little bit of a different marketing motion. And there's a plan there that's separate than... When we're doing paid advertising, which is often to the pain, which, you know, somebody looking for lead nurturing or lead scoring, or maybe somebody looking for something like shopping cart abandonment or email marketing. And so we have campaigns then that go behind each of those. I love that. That's really cool. We talk about the portfolio approach all the time on the show and and how to break up those buckets and all that. And we'll get into uncuttable budget items here in a second. It's a very savvy approach and we don't hear a ton of affiliate on the show we haven't in the past. So excited to, to dig into that too. I'm curious, within that structure, is there anything within the structure of your organization and how you go to market and your marketing team that might be a little different or unique? I think this team is incredible. So I would say that part of the recipes for success is just incredible people. And I feel privileged every day to work with the team here. One thing that I feel very proud of is that we've hired to our values, one of which is diversity and When I think about diversity, obviously diversity in approaches, I think about my direct reports and how different they are from me. And then I think about how they've built their team. 
and it causes some conflict. Sometimes we we don't hire for different personalities because it means that you're going to have to take more time to explain things. People are going to come with different approaches, but I do think that that gets us to better. And so I try to encourage, and it's not always perfect for sure, but healthy conflict that there is debate. And I think in the short term, it makes for better marketing for our customers. I think in the long term, it really provides amazing career path for the team because they've seen lots of different approaches. They've seen lots of different opinions. And so I think that is unique for us. I think you can, you have to hold that bar when you are marketing to marketers that, that you have to be doing some really great work because customers will call some BS, right? And we want to meet their bar. We want to meet their expectations. I think we do use our own product really well. I have worked in sales and marketing technology for well over a decade. But the way that we use the product, the nurturing that we do, the scoring we do, the way we choose to follow up with some people and give people the path to explore on their own for others, I think our own use of automation has really been transformational for us. Like you said, spending formative years in marketing automation at a bunch of the big companies. Something that's been common across all of those that I think is really important for any marketing leader or any marketer is that you don't get to something exceptional. There are so many companies, regardless of what space we're in, whatever job you have, that are trying to do the same thing. And I just don't believe you do anything exceptional without doing something exceptional. Like it's, there's just not magic. It, you have to do it. And so you have to outmarket. I get really scared of best practices because that's what everybody can do. What are we going to do a little bit different? How do we say, hey, we're not going to do exactly the best practices? We're going to, hey, maybe not do this as well so that we can do something else really great and use that to make the difference. I think if you're just trying, I call it checkbox marketing, if you're just trying to do what every other company is doing, you're going to get as good as every other company. But for you to have a fast growth company, for your company to grow, you have to do something different. And that's why I think automation is so important, because if you can, as much as you can automate or like, you know, let the checkbox stuff be the checkbox stuff and then put your time and value into what you do great. Yeah, I love that. That's a perfect segue to our next segment. Let's go to the playbook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. Where you open up that playbook and talk about the tactics that help you win. What are your three channels or tactics that are your uncuttable budget items? Now now you got to differentiate. You got to get outside the box for this because you just gave the mantle here. Yeah, I think even before the budget, like as marketers, we choose our jobs. We choose the companies that we work for. It has to be a mission that you stand behind and it has to be something you can differentiate. There are many products out there in the world that like you can't tell the difference between two of them, right? And and if you can't, it's then really hard to differentiate. It's really hard to do great marketing. You have to choose an opportunity where you feel like you can do something with your skill with that marketing. And I'm fortunate to have that here and at my past companies, but sometimes it does not matter. It could be the greatest marketer in the world. And if they're marketing the wrong product, it's just never going to get there. And so it is up to us to choose where we can do great marketing. I spend time at companies. I spend four or five years at companies. It would feel awful if they weren't ones that were growing. So one, choose a great company where you can then have those non-negotiables that you asked about. I think first it has to go to team. The way that I build an org chart is not with anybody in mind, but I build the structure 
to the goals. So starting with the goals, what do we have to achieve? How would we then achieve them? What are the roles we need to do it? But then putting great people in those roles. We're fast. Marketing is interesting. A part of the business, when you look at a business, most parts of the organization, it's the the team costs that are the only costs. In marketing, it's half you know people, half programs. And so you have to make sure that you don't put too much thought into those programs and not enough into the people. And so I think starting there, that's that's where, and not that you want to use every dollar for those, but do you have the right people there? And do you understand what the value of those roles should be to make sure that you can bring in the best talent possible for those? How do you choose one of them to do really well? And so my negotiable is in like, what can the team do well versus what is the one thing? I think having good software, being able to do that automation, and that is with products like Active Campaign, of course, but you know what you're going to use for your SEO research yeah, or like the having the right tools available and in, in exactly. So I think that's really important. I mean, like that's yeah. the whole thing. You know, it's funny that you kind of set the table with like you have to have an ACE team and you have to have really strong architecture, but like that. It is the case, right? I mean, we had on CMO on the show many, many, many episodes ago, and she changed her role into becoming a new CMO. And one role to the other was like one had really poor architecture, bad website, like structurally very poor. And then in the new role, it's like all that stuff was all, you know, the previous CMO was really sharp and the new new company had all the stuff. It's like, oh my good, what a what a difference this makes to come into a company with the correct architecture in place. She's like, I can sprint from day one versus, you know, the other thing where you spend a year just getting the house in order. There's a woman, Cy Wakeman, who has a book, Reality-Based Leadership. I think our jobs, whatever the company needs, it's okay that that's what it is. So maybe the value for that CMO was putting that in place, right? And that doesn't make it a better or worse job than if that's already in place. Like whatever needs to be done, I like to think about like that is the important work. But getting that into place, if it's not, is definitely going to be the case. And, and you need to be able to see what your return is. You need to be able to see what your customers are doing. You need to understand what's making them successful. And if there's not the a lot of the infrastructure we put in at the front of funnel leads through and understanding the customer lifecycle as well. So I use this example with our customers all the time because our product is not just doing email marketing. We're trying to tie in all of the pieces of your engagement with your customer. And I think about, I was one time on the phone with like a food delivery. And while I was on the phone with them, I got with, you know, my dinner didn't arrive right. All of those things that are painful. You're just hungry, right? It's the worst of yourself. And I get an email from them and I'm like, oh goodness, like that they, they probably realize what's going on. They send me an email and it's, it's solved. And instead it was an email offering me a coupon for my, like having my order and how happy I was. And it made me so mad. I was so mad. And it shows you how like much our work as marketers means because done well, you don't notice it. It's elegant. It does what it needs to do, but when it's bad, it really goes bad. Right. And you feel it. And so having the things in place so that it doesn't go bad and you can do great marketing is important. And the architecture is a big part of that. What are some other uncuttable, where are you spending your money that we can copy? Yeah. I think once you have the infrastructure in place, there's three things that I think make up all of marketing. So you have content that goes through channels to people. And to send it to people, you often need to know who those people are. So you have three things that you ultimately spend money on. You're either spending it on the content, you're spending it on distribution of that content, or you're spending it on 
who you're distributing it to, you know, building out the database under, you know, doing data pens, things like that. I think we talk almost all the time about the channels and how we put our money there. My non-negotiables would be around the other two. How do we have it going to the right people? Not only more, I don't just mean more people. I don't want to annoy anybody who doesn't want to have the product, but how do we enrich their data? How do we know what they want to hear, what's going to be interesting to them? So it's actually impactful. So that data appending piece, I would be relentless on. Um, and probably not the answer that most people give, but probably why uh, it makes a difference uh, for us. That allows you to do better segmentation. It allows you to have more relevancy in your communications. And then at the top on the content side, you know, what you're going to put through those channels. I think having that right education, again, for us, self-serve is important. We're going to put dollars there. I'm guessing a lot of the answers are often around the channels themselves. And I think those you can trade off and you can choose which one you do well, but I think it's less important. How about something that you see that's out there that maybe isn't working or fading away? I think we all have to right now get more clever with what we're doing online. The people are tired of sitting in front of their computers, so they're not comfortable yet, like at, you know, big conferences. And so how do you meet people with where they're at when, when they're ready to receive it? And I think it is hard. I think that it is changing. And I think it's part of what's pushing us to think about metaverse or some of the new paths to acquisition, NFTs or like whatever way people are trying to find a market. But I think that that's coming from like all of the previous channels not working as well as they did because we just were tired, we're exhausted from all of the noise, from being in front of a screen. You think, okay, how do you solve that? And is it going into new channels? Is it going to new places? But I actually think it all comes down to segmentation and relevancy. How do we still deliver? How do we still get great marketing And it has to be so personalized, so segmented, and it has to be relevant. Because the flip side of that is I, every day, buy products out of social media that I had never heard of before, but it hits me. It's the thing I need. I'm excited about it. It comes with the things that are important, social proof, positive reviews, all of those things that are going to make me trust to buy it at that time. People haven't stopped consuming. It's just the way that they're deciding to consume is changing and we have to meet people there. Yeah, what, I'm curious, how would you market to yourself? Because you said the same, you said, you know, screens, not really that comfortable with necessarily being in person a ton right now. What's left? It's going to be the same thing, I think, for you, right? It's going to be through social proof. One of the things that works really well at Active Campaign, and this is going into kind of our secrets, the company, when I joined, the CEO, Jason Vandeboom, was a small business owner who wanted to do great things for other growing businesses. And so it's not only the product that's strong, it's the way that we go to market. So there's all these like special things that we do. We have really great value-based pricing. We do free migration, free implementation, all these things that our competitors don't do. Most of our competitors, you're required to buy a like a startup package or a lot of upfront costs. And so what I realized is these are all differentiators for us, right? And so we package them into what we call our customer success commitment. We commit to being a great value. We have never raised a price for a current customer unless they bought more. Even if our like pricing goes up, it does not for them, right? These are all special things about the company that 
what marketing did is we didn't add those in. We just packaged them and it made it easier for us to sell. But it also helped our customers understand why they liked us. Sometimes marketing has to do that translation. So the customers were benefiting from that, but they didn't have it all packaged together to explain it. So we put together the customer success commitment and we see customers telling other customers about it, that they can now better tell their friends about the value, about what we do for them. And so it's not just about putting together, when we talk about customer marketing, it's not just about putting together customer case studies or telling your customer stories. It's having your customers able to share why they like using you, having your customers able to articulate those things that are important to them and make that pitch for you. And that's why you had brought up affiliates. That's why that affiliate channel is important to us because it's not like it, a lot of our affiliates are not people who professionally are affiliates, yeah. but they're people who are influencers just sharing about active campaign and then getting a little bit for that because they're so excited. Yeah. I mean, we talk about customer marketing all the time. I think it's like still probably the most underinvested category. It's crazy to think about like talking about features and benefits, especially cold to people like, hey, features and benefits. Well, they're searching for our solution, but they're searching for someone that looks like them and acts like them that is achieving results that they want to achieve, right? <laughs> like, yes, I want my emails to not go to spam. For sure, I want that. Yes, I want my automations to be really cool. When we send a email newsletter for a podcast, I want the somebody opts in and, and the way that we craft the, the sign up or whatever it is. Yes, I want those things. But ultimately, I want a connected audience or I want people to know what is going on and I want them to be able to provide value to those people. And yes, I don't want it to go to their spam. But I think that so often we forget about the destination of the journey and like marketing the destination of like, hey, look at this person and the way that they did that stuff. And it's so much easier to remember a story, right? Is that the person who, do they do, is it 500 contacts that you get for free or is it what? It's like, no, you don't remember that stuff. You go look it up later, but you remember, hey, like wasn't company X, weren't they using active campaign to do their podcast newsletter? Like that's a pretty good one. Like I'd like mine to be like that. I don't know. I, I think it's underinvested. I think that it's underinvested because it's often underutilized. Like the easy thing is finding a customer to tell a story for a case study. It's how do you have a group of customers out spreading the word when you're not there? I think that is customer marketing, but I think it's a very different thing. And it takes a company-wide approach, not just one customer marketer trying to do that. We all get into our silos and each of the teams, you know, it, everybody's thinking about their role and it, it takes a lot to encourage a company to think beyond that. You know, the CEO here I mentioned, Jason, he's so thoughtful. When you open up our product on every screen, there's this little heart at the bottom and it gives everybody the link to share. We make it easy. We're reminding them. But I think about the way it doesn't say refer. It's just this little heart. And I think that was really purposeful on his side, right? Like remind people that they love what they're doing right now and connect it to that symbolism. Yeah. I always think about it. Like how do you, the marketer's job is to, how do you accelerate word of mouth, right? People are talking about you, both good or bad. Do you have to be worth talking about? Like I always talk about this idea of like remarkable marketing, which means you have to like talk about it with other people. Like you have to remark about it. You have to tell your spouse, you have to tell your boss or somebody that you work with. And like, that's marketing's job. And that's exactly what you were talking about. Like with affiliates is these people want to talk about it and there's aligned incentives 
so that if they do talk about it, the thing that they love, they get money back, which is everybody wins. This whole session is around demand gen, but, and I am known, I'm often known as somebody who like built their career on the demand gen side. I wrote an article for Forbes once that was poking the bear a little bit that was like, as a CMO, you you don't want to be known for brand or demand or product marketing, right? Like a lot of times the CEO will be looking for one in particular, but the way to be a great demand marketer is to be able to differentiate, right? Like you need that differentiation. You could be using demand in an amazing way, but if you're not differentiating and giving somebody that story, like you just said, you said people are talking about you good or bad, but if they can't tell that story for you, if they don't know why they're excited, like it's going to land flat. And so helping really create differentiation in the market is a really big part of demand, even though it feels like product marketing or content marketing sometimes. A lot of times when I think about how to do things in marketing, like just starting with a piece of paper, and this is again going to age me, but writing out like what you're trying to do and like, would somebody else like buy into it? Because sometimes like we'll do marketing and I'll look and I'll be like, no, why did anybody think this is going to work? Like this is not, it's not exciting. It doesn't differentiate. And so making sure we don't skip that part, right? Just doing the greatest ever PPC bidding, buying the perfect TV spot, being on the most amazing podcast isn't going to do anything if you can't say something impactful through it. And so that part of marketing we sometimes skip, but is probably the most crucial. Yeah, it's funny. So I interviewed April Dunford, who's like a positioning expert. Uh, Yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah, she's great. This is uh, for a different podcast that we do called often imitated and it's all about customer experience and so anyways she's rad her book's rad but one of the things that she talked about was she was looking at i think it was it was oracle and ibm's i think it was them two two very big companies and she was talking about positioning and basically it's like of their of the two products that were they were comparing it was like let's say there's a thousand features it was like 999 of them are more or less very similar and so they both marketed about the 1,000th. And it's like, if you want open and accessible and like that type of thing, choose IBM. If you want closed, like controlled environment, like choose Oracle. And it's just such a great lesson in positioning is like, it doesn't matter if you're the same in every single way, you have to position around where you're different. And that's how you win. I've talked about building teams too. And I saw this article that compared between like Facebook, Google, and Apple for like a product marketing job, they clearly had just copied the requisitions, the job postings were the exact same, like word for word across these three. And it's like, that's great, except you want to hire the best. So you have to say something a little bit different too. So differentiation matters uh, in our products, but also as we try to build our teams. Okay. So I'm curious, how do you view your website? I view the website as our as our storefront, as our front door. When we think about front doors, as we always think about the home page, but when we talk about a website, every page is a front door, right? It's a different path in. And so for us, we want to empower our customers. And so we have hundreds of knowledge-based articles to each of the different things they could do. And so every one of those, not even the, you wouldn't call them like the marketing pages, but all front doors for us, right? All windows into the company. And so I think the website is critical. It's how many of our customers buy. It's how many of our customers learn from us. One thing that has really worked for us and is very unique is 
you know, a lot of us put a lot of emphasis into our blog, our customer stories, maybe our product pages. ActiveCampaign has something called recipes, which are like the automations that people want to do. This is how you do lead scoring. This is how you may do that shopping cart abandonment. This is how you do your sales stages, whatever it is that that somebody's trying to do. It even have recipes around like this is a flow you'd run to maybe clean up your database. But there are all ways to help people put in automations and having them as entry. So we know somebody wants to do something. We're giving them the recipe to do it. It's not that far of a leap to have them then do it with us. And so trying to emphasize those as those front doors for us. And what's important about thinking about it that way is, um, and and I wouldn't give our, our homepage an age grade because it's a page I'm like not as interested in as the page where somebody is having a pain and then we're getting them to the page that's going to solve that pain. That's what's going to be either a happy customer you know, if they've already purchased us, because now they're going to know how to do it, or somebody who is going to buy because they know we can solve that. Many of our customers don't know that what they're, they want to buy is marketing automation or CRM, but they know they had a thousand people to their website that put items in their cart that didn't buy, or they had a thousand people to their website that didn't convert on forms that they really would love to talk to again. And, and we can help them with that, but giving them those recipes to that has, has been really important for us. And it's different. Again, it's not differentiation in product, but it's a different a way to go to market, similar to that customer success commitment, which, you know, doing it different when it's a very crowded space, there's a lot of options has really made us stand out. Our growth has been tremendous. When I joined, I think it was more like 80,000 customers were now at over 180,000 customers. To give a sense of that, that's more customers than Salesforce has announced publicly the last time they gave a number. Now we have a much smaller price per deal, so we're obviously not as large, but I'm really proud of that adoption. And it's it's because of all the things we've talked about today. Anything that, that you've been doing from marketing perspective or go-to-market perspective or demand perspective that particularly notable? What I think you have to be ruthless and sometimes like saying, no, you cannot do everything. And that's not probably going to be the path to success. So one of the things in our company plan, the way that we do it, and our CEO concepted this, and I really adore it is we have what we call emissions and there are things, I'll give you an example of one of our emissions this year. We would love to put on a big customer event, but we looked across the things that we wanted to do and it just was not going to be, we couldn't do all those other things well if we did that. And we want to do it. It's not on a mission because we don't want to do it. It's a mission because we want to do it, but we're saying, hey, we're not going to consider it until we get these other things done. And so I think when we're thinking about demand, being okay, saying no to some things, And sometimes, and I think this is one of the hardest parts of a demand marketer's job is, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten ideas from people that they're not bad ideas. You just can't do everything. And I I like make this joke all the time that I never call up our, our CTO and say, this is the code I want you to write. But people all the time call me up and say, why don't we do this marketing? How don't we do marketing this way? And they're not bad ideas. They're all very valid, right? We all experience marketing. We all know great marketing when we see it. And so I don't want to discount that. I don't think I'm special in that I know magically how to do marketing and other people that are consumers of marketing all day long don't. But marketing is so much about the choosing a few things and executing them well, being able to prioritize. I think sometimes it takes, you have to put your ego aside and not do the thing that you want to do. You have to hear what the company wants to do, where the momentum is. I believe much more in experience versus playbooks. Okay, let's get to our final segment, Quick Hits. 
These are quick questions and quick answers, just like how quickly you can talk to somebody when they're on your website. If you're using Qualified, go to qualified.com to learn more. Qualified prospects are on your website right now, and you can talk to them quickly with Qualified. Quick and easy, just like these questions. Maria, are you ready? I am ready. Number one, what's a hidden talent or skill that's not on your resume? I'm really getting into fitness, so I've become a pretty decent rower, and I don't highlight that there. One thing that is on my resume, though, but people overlook, I'm really into wine, and so I have some designations and stuff there as well. I would also note you contributed to a bunch of different books and things like that. It seems like you, you like creating ideas and writing ideas and all that stuff. Yeah, I wrote a chapter in Anthony Canada's content creation. I think I have some lines in Content Rules by Ann Handley. There's probably a couple others, but I think maybe that's another trick is just trying to make sure you're never the smartest person in the room. And I find my way into rooms with really smart people and try to learn from them. What about a book, podcast, TV show, or something that you've been checking out recently that you like? I just named two books that, that are great ones. We've talked a lot about automated marketing. And one of the the things, questions I'll get all the time is like, what's the right number of emails to send to somebody? I'm sure Ian, you think about this all the time, but the reality is there are emails that we look forward to. Yep. Like I wake up in the morning and I look, there are two emails that I read every day. And so the question is not, what is the right number of emails? It's how do you become that email that people want to have every day? That is the real question, right? And so every day I read The Skim, which mm-hmm. is like a, a summary of the day. And I read The Broadsheet, which talks about issues in business often as it relates to women. I love those two. I'm a fan of like masterclass learning from people, not just within the industry, but also outside the industry and trying to think about, you know, how, whether it's through sports or you know, amazing chefs or wherever somebody's excellent in what they do. Like, is there a lesson in there that I can apply to what I'm doing? And that's, that's often, it helps to get out of your bubble, right? It's easy to get all caught up in what we do every day, but how do I hear something that's right in front of me, but through somebody else's eyes? Do you have a best piece of advice for a first time CMO trying to figure out their demand gen strategy? Yeah, I think just a piece of advice for a CMO and anybody on this call who's not a CMO, I think the thing that shocked me most about being a CMO was that you think your your whole career, it's like you're learning to do marketing in different ways and, and you're growing in that leadership. But when you're a CMO, you spend almost all your time not doing marketing, but representing cool marketing that other people are doing to the rest of the executive team. Your job's cross-functional. It's a often a bunch of people who are not really focused on marketing that you're talking about marketing to. And that that has its challenges. You really have to hear them and what they're doing and why their priorities are important. So just being comfortable with that and knowing that that's the job you want, because I was a little bit shocked. I was all excited to talk about marketing and, and nobody wanted to hear it. They wanted to talk about their orgs and figuring out that balance within the organization is really important. And sometimes the right thing to do is not marketing and to do something for one of those other orgs, right? If you have a product issue, get that product issue fixed before you you go out and market something, right? We want to be great marketers and bring great product forward. I think as it relates to demand is, is kind of what I said a couple of times here. It's not a single channel. If you have a CEO that just thinks like TV or let's say PBC or social media is the worst, if you're fighting that, like it's just going to be miserable versus hearing where they think marketing can be successful and finding a path that way 
there is not one right way for any of our brands. And in fact, the greatest brands, we can often highlight why they take a unique approach. And so finding that for yourself is important. Maria, it's been absolutely wonderful having you on the show today. Thanks so much for joining. For all of the marketers listening, go to activecampaign.com and check it out. If you're not a customer, you know, you can try for free. We use it here at Caspian. We love it. So so give it a check. Any final thoughts? Anything, anything to plug? I love what I do. I love this company. I love the team I work with. And for anybody, if you're still listening, like you care enough about marketing to be listening this long, make sure you're in a situation like that too. Like it is, life is too short to not be having fun doing this. And and if anybody has any questions or comments, like don't hesitate to reach out and ask. I am inbound marketer on almost every social channel. I'm the only Maria Pergolino in the world. So you can find me, I promise. I love it. Awesome. Thanks so much for appreciate it and take care. The ManGen Visionaries is brought to you by our friends at Qualified.com, a conversational marketing company that's on a mission to transform the way B2B companies sell. Go to Qualified.com to learn more.